Hey everyone, welcome back to Group Therapy. I'm one of your hosts, licensed psychologist, Dr. Jessica Raven. And I'm licensed clinical social worker, Kristen Gingrich. And I'm licensed clinical psychologist, Dr. Kristen Casey. Justin hates Valentine's Day so much that he decided not to show up for this episode. So it's just us girls talking about romantic relationships today. So settle in. (laughs) (laughs) Take a seat and welcome to Group Therapy. So before we dive into the episode, we're going to try a new format today. So we're going to have our discussion really guided by your group member questions. We get so many great group member questions. And as you all probably have noticed by now, if you've listened to the episodes up to this point, we can't possibly answer them all. So thus, we're going to try to make sure we're answering as many questions as possible. We looked over them ahead of time. We're going to try to answer them within our discussion. So let us know what you think of this new format. Okay, now that that business is aside, this episode is dropping a couple days before Valentine's Day. Um, We are all partnered here. So I want to know what you girls think about Valentine's Day. (laughs) We're partnered up. Like a goddamn cow. Like a goddamn cowboy. I, try- I accidentally muted myself. Whoops. <laughs> this is issue number one. This is unhinged. Fuck. Um, I don't really have like strong feelings about Valentine's Day. Like, I mean, when I was 16, I was like, oh, my boyfriend got me a necklace. This is so mm. nice. And now I'm like, cool. Like, if you, if you got me something, you got me, like, a honestly, like, if you just bought me a heart-shaped pizza, like, solid. Um, <laughs> we don't really, we don't really, I don't think we've done anything for Valentine's Day the last several years. Um, I don't know. It just, we've been together for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think. That'll do it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it. and it's more just like, it's, it, like, you know, on Valentine's Day, he's working all day. Like, mm-hmm. eh, we have a kid. Like, that's our Valentine's Day gift. Like, that's, eh. But now mm-hmm. I have a kid, so now I have to do Valentine's Day at school. Mm-hmm. So, now that happens, so. Yeah. So but yeah, Valentine's not a, <laughs> If you, yeah. I'm more like, if you love it, live your life, enjoy it. If you don't, live your life, hate it. Or yeah. be neutral, it's fine. I feel like that's a lot of people though. I feel like a lot of people either love it or hate it. It's, mm. I think it's hard to have that middle ground. I've, I've fluctuated over the years with that too. I'm like, do I like this holiday? Like for what, you know, like what, what's the significance? And, um, my partner and I have been together, hmm, I should know this 11 and a half years, 11 years, pretty much. Um, and we've made it a point to try to celebrate Valentine's day because we suck at doing all the other couples stuff, you know, like our wedding anniversary, our anniversaries, we just were like, Ooh, Wow, forgot about that one. Like both of us, like we literally both actively forget about everything. <laughs> so Valentine's Day is the one day that for some reason, it just feels like less pressure than like celebrating your anniversary or something like that. So for some reason, it seems like we're always doing something, whether it's like baking brownies together or, you know, doing something like that. Um, we like to have experiences together. So it's, I, I enjoy it, but I'm not like, oh my gosh, it has to happen. Like if it didn't happen, I wouldn't really mind, you know? Um, but like KBI said, I think it changes over time because in high school I felt like it was hard because I was like, oh my gosh, I should be celebrating this or should I? But I'm also in the closet. Do I really want people to know? Like it was just like a weird thing for me. You know, I wasn't fully out yet. <laughs> so yeah. it was just a weird time. 
Jess, what about you? you were, oh, I was, I was going to make a joke. I was like, I didn't want brownies back then. I just wanted a lady. <laughs> I just wanted a lady. What's about it? Just wanted a lady. <laughs> You're now British too. You're British. I don't know why. I don't know where that came from. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, just exactly like you all are saying, it's fluctuated over time. I mean, um, so my husband and I have been together 15 years. And so like when we were dating, like we would do little things. I want to say the last time we like actually celebrated Valentine's Day was like the year after we got married. But like since then, I mean, we might do like sometimes I'll like bake cupcakes or I don't know. Usually the things we do, like we do either do something together, like, oh, let's just cook dinner together or bake something Mm -hmm. together. Or like, I like to make things. So like one year I made him like a bouquet of mini bottles, things like that. But it's nothing like extravagant. Um, And just like KBI, like now that, I mean, my daughter is younger than your son, but even like I dropped her off today and it was like sign up sheet for our Valentine's day party at school and things like that. So it's been fun, like getting her little stuff each year. Um, I'm, I'm pretty neutral about it. Like even when I celebrated it, I was like, like part of me is like, oh, this is like fun celebrating love. But then the other part, I'm like, this is literally like a Hallmark yeah. like holiday. Like what is like, the what? purpose yeah. <laughs> of this? So it's like logic and emotion. For, for My wise mind was purpose? not. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So um, I've never been one of those people that hate it. I've never been one of those people that really love it. I'm just kind of like, it is. I will say though, I'm out in myself and definitely will admit it. Even if I'm like, no, we don't need to do anything. But then I see like people at work getting like sent like bouquets of flowers oh, forget <laughs> from it. their partners. I'm like, it's over. Yeah. Oh, maybe one day he'll just surprise me. <laughs> no, we're definitely. And then you're upset. People, we're not doing this. Okay, great. We both agreed to not do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're like, God damn it, you, Susan. Susan got a big bouquet of roses that cost $200. Why didn't you send me? How dare you? And then he's Even like, though what? we agreed to I- not do anything. Yeah. yeah. Ben Ben will just come home with like Reese's hearts and I'm like solid. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I think if Ben ever spent two- I mean, as much as I would enjoy it, I think I would probably still be more mad that he dropped two hundred dollars on things that are gonna die than I would be like that's that's my problem. Is like I look I look at some of the practicality, like, don't get me wrong, I love flowers. You can buy me a $10 bouquet from the local Hannaford, which is a grocery store here. Mm-hmm. Like, and, I'd be, and I'd love that more than you dropping $200 on 12 dozen red roses that are pristine yeah. picked from the fields of somewhere that are just going to die in two weeks. I'm like, they have a, I'm like, they have a longer will to live than I do. Like, it's fine. Like, <laughs> like, I don't need that. It's fine. <laughs> Flowers and chocolate are so overpriced during this time. Like you, you want to know what so I did the other night though? You know those like chocolate heart things? Um, Dave was out on business or whatever, and I was like, I'm treating myself to like an early Valentine's Day thing, like just for me. So I got that. Yeah. But I ate the whole thing and then I felt like terrible after. Not because I ate the whole thing, but because like I literally physically felt sick. Like that's how much I ate. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't do everything. I need your opinion on this, K10, because you have controversial candy things. Do you like conversational hearts? I think they're okay, but I feel like they're like kind of performative at this not performative. I feel like they're just kind of like they're just expected and therefore they're just kind of underwhelming. You know what I mean? Who like it's like conversational hearts. Who expects like the them? Of them though? Wait, the little ones that say like be mine and shit? Yeah. The little Yeah, they say like bite me. Like Yeah. yeah. You know like, around Valentine's Day they're gonna be floating around everywhere. You'll see them in the street. They'll be everywhere. Yeah. It's like you know that they're, they're, they're coming. Taste like, like talk. They taste they taste like Tums, actually. Do you also like Smarties? So I like Smarties. They're all right. I mean oh, well. I mean I'm not like excited. I mean I'm excited for people who like Smarties, but I'm like not a smarty chick. Like I don't know. I'm just you know I mean in more than one ways. <laughs> exactly. You get me. <laughs> oh man. But today, you know, is all about relationships. And you know, Valentine's Day usually, you know, circles around relationships. We've all been, mm-hmm. like we said, partnered up for a long time. I didn't really like realize like how long we've been in relationships for, for like, we're, we're set. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> when we think of like romantic, so we're going to really probably focus more on romantic relationships during mm-hmm. this episode. I mean, there are all types of relationships that we can have in our lives, but when we think of a romantic relationship, like what are like words that come to mind? Mm. Love. I don't know why I said it like that. Oh my God, Jess. <laughs> Jess is so excited for Valentine's Day. Um, <laughs> Commitment. Yeah. Didn't, yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. we record last year on Valentine's Day? I'm pretty sure last year on Valentine's we Day, we all re- we recorded. We were like, we really recorded the pod because all four of us were like, I don't like this holiday. And we were serious about it. But Maybe to answer your question, when I think of romantic relationships, I think of like connection and intimacy, but it could be like physical intimacy, sexual intimacy, emotional intimacy. And I know we were using the term partner earlier, but I do think of like partnership, mm-hmm. companionship. Um, I don't know. Yeah, just someone like by your side or people by your side if you're in a polyamorous relationship that you kind of just go through yeah life together mm-hmm. what do you think like because i know everybody's different on this generally what do you think that people look for in romantic partnerships like what do you think the big things are is it like what we said originally like all these or do you think it's more connection i mean in order to you know maintain like I shouldn't say in all because there are definitely situations where the relationships happen and there is not that connection, Mm -hmm. Um, at least, you know, sometimes arranged marriages and things like that. Um, I'm not, uh, we transparent and say I'm not too educated in that area, but, um, but a lot of people look for connection. They look for common Mm -hmm. interest or at least some, Yeah. right? You don't have to have every interest in common, but at least some, Um, otherwise, what do you guys talk about? What do you guys do? Um, yeah. I think of loyalty a lot and like mm-hmm. honesty. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah. I think a lot of people seek that. I also think in romantic relationships, and I mean, this applies to like friendships and platonic relationships as well, but especially in romantic partnerships, I think, you know, a level of comfort where someone can like be themselves. 
Yeah. Like they comfortable oh, yeah. and safe. Mm-hmm. Um, safety is a big one I hear a lot, like in therapy. Um, safety is one I hear a lot too. Like the ability to be able to show up authentically too is like a big one for a lot of clients I work with. Yeah. I also have some clients who are dating and there's a lot of anxiety around it. And they're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Yeah. So much anxiety. And I think it's hard to find, think, like, think about it. Think about even just finding friends. That's hard sometimes. It's hard to just find your people. And then to think about that plus all the levels of potential intimacy or connection in the way that you're hoping. I mean, it's hard. I think it's hard to find someone. Um, but then again, I might not be, I have to be a little optimistic. Like there's dating apps and there's obviously ways to find a partner. So I hope yeah. I didn't come off so negative there, but yeah, I just want to highlight the anxiety. It is hard. It mm-hmm. is hard. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like I said this to my husband within the last couple of months. And I literally was like, if I ever divorce you, I'm not dating ever again. Like I'm just single the rest of my life because I am not dating because I'm watching mm-hmm. my friends date. I'm watching my clients date and that shit doesn't look fun. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. Like, yeah. Hard pass. I'll hard pass because it, it like, and again, like you have, you know, I feel like there's lots of pieces that play a role in that. Um, and you know the access like where especially as you get older i find that mm-hmm. hearing from people starting romantic relationships looks very different when you start a romantic relationship maybe in your 30s than you did mm-hmm. at like 18 or 19 like at college right 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 mhm yeah like i i i met oh i was going to say i met my partner through mutual friends when i started hanging out with them but if I would mm-hmm. be hanging out with those friends in my 30s along that time, I've known all the people that they've known. Mm-hmm. And so your your circle gets smaller in that way. That's good perspective, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think anxiety is normal for a lot of different reasons, exactly like you said, KBI. Um, I hear a lot, um, not in my clients because I work with primarily teens, but like on social media, like I'm in my twenties and I've never dated. I'm in my thirties and never dated like, and I'm anxious to date. So I think there's, you know, for anybody of any age, but especially if you're older, like the feeling like you're behind or Mm -hmm. like I haven't done these things before. And what will my partner or future partner or potential partner think of me? If like, this is a new experience. Um, I think it goes back to what we've already highlighted with like, comfort, safety, vulnerability. Like it's hard being vulnerable. Like yeah, it really I mean, is. Yeah. I even think back to the first okay, not the first night. One of the first nights that my now husband and I hung out in college. I mean, I was I was 19. We we met in college. And like you know, wanting to open up but also being like you're really still a stranger. Like, yeah. and, I mean, conversation was easy and that was like a good fo- positive first sign. But even like, being like, well, if I say this thing, will he like no longer want to talk to me anymore? Uh, or, you know, how much do I share about me? Or like, you know, even thinking back in high school, like, is this person going to think I'm like weird or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. What am I going to talk about? Like, I think there's so many aspects of dating. And then if you haven't dated a lot, a lot of anxiety can come with like, what do I want in a partner? Oh, yeah. How do yep. I show up to a first date? 
Have you all ever gone on a blind date? Like that's all <laughs> you haven't? Absolutely. Oh, I didn't in high school. I yeah, I I knew of this person, but I didn't like know them and we went on a date and we both showed up and I looked at her and she looked at me and she's like, We could be friends. I'm like, Yeah, we can. Yeah. yeah, it was just like it was just like we both knew and we were just like, let's just get drinks like it's a girls' night. <laughs> Cause we just kinda like knew we weren't each other's type, but um, it actually ended up going really well and I made a friend. It was great. But like, I know other people might not have that experience, but yeah. 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 Like I think there, so all of this to say, like K10, I'm so glad you brought it up because I think so many people feel anxious regardless of, of stage of life, dating history, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. And I think like I was noticing we were going through the questions too. And I was thinking of like, you know, I think a lot of people are worried, like you said, Jess, about how they're going to come off. And oh my gosh, I want this person to like me and all this stuff. And if you have the privilege to just show up as yourself, then like you have all the information that you need to know. Because if that person just say there's no compatibility, it doesn't always mean it's your fault. You know, it doesn't always mean it's because you said that thing that was so embarrassing the other day or something like that. Like it it might not be that it might be something else. And usually it's a compatibility issue more than it is like a Mm -hmm. personal thing in my experience. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's hard with that compatibility issue. Like from yes. what I've heard, like to take that part, to not take that personally, like, hard. like, and, and rejection in a way, like, Ooh, I thought we were vibing and this person uh, doesn't think so. And they said that they no longer want to see me and that rejection. And it's hard to sit in that because, you know, on one hand it hurts because maybe you did like this person, you thought you were compatible but then remembering on the other hand, like, do you want to be with someone who does not feel like they're compatible? And it's hard to sit in both of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, we start, we can start spiraling into what is it about? Like, what about me? When the reality is, is that it just wasn't, it just didn't click for you two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a million people on the planet. We can't click with everybody. And it, and that's what makes it hard. You know, dating is, we can't force the other person to click with us. And I think that that's also something that's really scary. And that goes back to the vulnerability aspect of it. Mm-hmm. That was so well said. And I think, I, you know, and then, and I think of what you just said, and then I add on the layers of like sexual orientation and gender mm-hmm. and your own um, experiences with your own thoughts about what relationships should be, or, you know, the belief systems that you have, and then potentially what you want from a partner. I think there's just so many things to consider that I think people sometimes get caught up in their minds. Like, Oh, it's me. Like you're saying when, when really you're really trying to fit, like think about two people from two completely different backgrounds, trying to have a conversation. I mean, there's so many variables, you know? Um, and so I hope people don't take it personally. Yeah, go ahead. Well, and I'm going to say something a little controversial. Sometimes it is you. Like being trans, sometimes it is. But let me explain. It's a piece of you that doesn't compute with them. So at the end of the day, it is also a them thing. That maybe there's some, maybe, maybe you love Taylor Swift and they, they're a Brad and a Chad and can't stand the idea of her. Is that, yeah, there's a piece of you that they don't, is that, is that petty? Absolutely. We're, that's a whole, but like. This is getting a little personal KPI. It is. It's, it is. My husband doesn't care that our album dropped. Okay. We're, we're fighting. Um, but that's, <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like that isn't, that's something that you enjoy. Are you going to change the way that you feel about something to fit within what this other person wants? Or would you want to be with someone who truly doesn't like and 
has disdain for something you enjoy. Right. So then I think and, it's more like, do I like this person? If I'm showing yeah. up as myself, like, and they're not kind of cool with how I'm sure maybe it is me, but like, do I want that? Really? Yeah. And so, and so sometimes it is that piece and that's not meant to be like, yeah, sometimes it is you like, but it's more like, yeah, sometimes it is a piece, but it doesn't have to be this huge negative thing. And instead of that perspective of, you know, this is a piece I, a value that I hold, a thing that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. I'm not willing to compromise that in order to fit someone else. So yeah, at the end of the day, it is something about me and that's okay because it's Mm -hmm. something that I enjoy. Yeah. I love that you brought that up because it reminds me of uh, like a TikTok I saw, but kind of like the opposite of it. Like sometimes it is you, but sometimes you can also click with a person, but then you realize like maybe your goals or values don't Mm -hmm. align. Like it was a video about like, you know, um, like mutual breakups are actually harder. Like when you still love the person, but your like goals and stuff are different. And so I think there can also be anxiety about, you know, you know, not only how am I showing up for this person, but are we going to want the same things? Like if we do click, what does that look like? What, what do you want in a partnership? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, what are your goals? Um, you know, are you someone that, you know, truly firmly believes in monogamy? Do you want consensual non-monogamy? Um, are you polyamorous? Like, and obviously those are things, questions that you're going to have to talk about at the beginning, which I'm sure we'll touch on communication is a huge thing in romantic relationships, but it can also be really, really scary to bring those things up because, I mean, I can even think of like people I personally know that had partners for a really long time and they were a great fit. But when it got to like a different stage of life, they loved each other very well, very much but their goals were very different. And like, what do you do there? Obviously that takes communication and things like that. Um, So I guess I bring that up all to say like, there's anxiety initially, but then there can also be anxiety throughout. And that's where things like communication comes in. You know, I don't know, we can talk about stress of romantic relationship. There's so much we can cover. Oh yeah. I'm really happy you brought that up because I think about like the different stages of life. And then I think of the different stages of life when you're partnered and the different stages of life when you're dating and they look so different for people and there can be anxiety everywhere. I don't know about you, but like, um, I think it was when we were like, I want to say like 25, 26. I'm like, we're going to be 30 soon. This is crazy. And then we were like talking about our relationship and it's like, Oh, what do we want for each other? And we had a little bit of a difference of opinion on certain things. And I was just like, Ooh, are we compatible? And he was like, we should probably think about that, you know, like have mm-hmm. conversations around that when you're in a long-term partnership, I think it's hard to like have those conversations too. And, oh, and I think like, that's really important because if you're in a long-term committed relationship, right? 15 years, 12 years, 11 and a half years, I am not. So I started dating Ben six days before I turned 20. I am not the same person that I am, was at 20, that I am at 32. <laughs> I'm Math, a complete, I, there, yeah, not, I'm like. You're still like, emo, but like you're not as emo. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, <laughs> we could still be. But like, that's the thing is like, I am, I, there are things about me that are very much the same. 
But interests have changed. Values have changed. Beliefs have changed. And we've had to have those conversations over the years. And some of them have been really hard. You know, when I was 20, I wasn't sure about kids. And then when I was 25, I got pregnant. And that was not in our books. And so, like, we had to have that conversation. We had to have the, like, you know, when we got an autism diagnosis for Oliver, like, those things shifted. And, you know, now 12 years in, our relationship is different than when it was when we were 20 and, and things like that. And so I think that's also important that as time goes on, you and your partner have to grow together. And again, communication comes really important. And again, what, like, does it get to a point where values or things are non, are no no longer aligned? And sometimes Mm -hmm. that ends with that relationship ending, whether it's, you know, your relationship ends after three months because you got the ick or Mm -hmm. your relationship ends after 30 years because you realized this relationship is no longer serving either of us. And those are, like you said, they're just hard conversations to have. And I, and I think like when I think about my clients and when they're coming to therapy for, you know, intimacy stuff or I'm dating and I don't know how to find a partner, like all those things. Um, and then they start to date and then they start to get to know the person and then they start to get triggered or upset or like they want to say something just naturally. It, that part's hard for a lot of people. I mean, I think even if you're early dating, or if you're 30 years into your relationship, I mean, I think it's hard to bring up topics that the other partner might not want to hear. And I, I'm curious to hear from both of you of like, what do you think is helpful in like navigating those hard communications or those hard conversations with partners? Like just say you have a difference of opinion or they're bothering you or they're annoying you about something. Like, what do you think the best way to bring it up is? So one thing I used to do a lot and because my husband and I came from families that communicated very differently. And that was very apparent early on. Um, So outside of couples therapy, if it is accessible to you. um, But one thing I used to do a lot, if I had something like I really wanted to, and I still do it sometimes, but we've gotten significantly better at communication over 15 years, um, bring something up that I was like worried that he wouldn't want to hear, or I was scared that like, if I started the conversation, I would cry or get upset. I would write it. Like I would write him a letter or like, whether it's a full letter or just like a little note and just saying like, Hey, I want to talk about this thing. These are all my thoughts when you are in a space to hear it. Um, let's talk about it. Now, since I've learned better communication skills, we've learned, and our communication is not perfect by any means, but we've done a mm-hmm. lot of work as a couple, just like KB, I was saying, you know, I'm not the same person I was at 19, mm-hmm. like, and he was 22, like we're very yeah. different people, but now it's more, you know, Hey, there's something I want us to talk about is now a good time. Or is there a time later that we can discuss it because I think a really important thing with communicating with your partner is making sure you're free from distractions, that you're both in a headspace to hear it. Because like, if I'm like, Hey, I really want to bring up this thing that I know is probably going to upset him. And he just had a really bad day at work. It's not going to be a productive conversation. Of course. Of course. So I think for me, that's been really helpful. Um, 
just saying like, hey, there's something I want us to talk about. When would be a good time? Like when's a time you're not busy? When's a time you're stressed? And then what we also do, I know you asked about bringing it up, but if we're in the middle of a more intense conversation, like we're both allowed to say like, hey, I think I'm like done with this conversation for right now. Or like, I don't Mm -hmm. think I have the energy to continue this conversation. Can we continue it tomorrow? But like I said, that's taken time. Like probably we didn't communicate like that until year, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, something around there. Sounds about right. Yeah. You're you're talking about like taking space amidst a conversation that's kind of heated, which I think is hard for any couple, you know, Um, really tough. KBI, any thoughts on what's helpful about communication if two partners kind of feel differently? I just wanted to make a joke of what I do to my husband, but I won't. Yeah, I go ahead. Him, you can, I just tell him. I just tell him to shut the. I just tell him to shut the fuck up, and it's fine. Oh my god, Kristen! Different communication styles. See, look, yeah, everyone's got different ways. I'm right. I'm right. Styles. You're wrong. Pound sand. Thank you. Because um, you always know how she feels. <laughs> that is. I will say that is. Really I'm a pretty direct way. communicator. Um, I also, and he will admit to this, so I have a husband with the emotional capacity of a rock, and he will admit this. He will admit it. He will admit it. And so the problem that, you know, we have faced over the years is that being the issue in our communication is I'm willing to talk about these things and do that. And he's just like, huh? It's fine. And that has been really hard. And he's, you know, we've, we've been in couples counseling. We've worked with that to get to a place where I'm like, I need this from you. Um, you know, our, our communication, especially since having kids, like kids, we have one kid, only one kid. There's no other kids. Um, me making that very clear. Um, you know, we've had to get better in that. Um, you know, just, I feel too, as I've gotten older and I've done my own healing, but I would say like the best thing that we've done is like, again, being very direct. Um, I tend like bedtime tends to be our conversation holder times where we end up like, I'm like, so I got this shit I need to talk to you about. You done (laughs) fucked up, eh, Ron? Like, (laughs) or he's like, Hey, or he, or he comes in, he's like, hey, we got to talk about something. Just like that. And I'm like, That's nice we need to talk about the weather? Like what? And I'm like, <laughs> we need yeah. to talk about this right now. Um, yeah. But I do, like, you know, I we, we've gotten a lot better, you know, from when we were in our early 20s with that prefrontal cortex fully develops, um, have gotten a lot better in that communication. But I agree, like we like to, we like to take timeouts if we need to. Like I literally remember an argument that we had gotten into when we were actually in the kitchen. And I remember like we started getting really heated and I literally started crying. And I said, I need a timeout because mm-hmm. this is very triggering for me because Oliver is right here. And okay. I was like, I'm not like, I was like, that's like one of my hard lines is like, I will not argue in front of my kid like that. Like we can disagree. We can do all of that. But that arguing is behind closed doors if mm-hmm. we need it to be. Um, Cause I'm, and, and I just, and like, you know, being able to express that and have that respected. Mm-hmm. I love that. 
And you brought up a really good point about trauma because that's what my partner and I struggle with a lot because I have a lot of trauma triggers that are, they come out in relationships, you know, mm-hmm. um, my friendships, they come out in my relationships. So I think when we're having a discussion about something and just say there's a triggering part for me, it's kind of hard to communicate that when you're all amygdala, you're just like trying so hard to like say it and you're like, I'm stuck in fight or flight. I don't know what to do, you know, so it does get in the way, but you know, and I think it's important to recognize in partners, like you're saying, like there might be moments, you know, with you, with mom and stuff like that. It's, it's probably hard to even think about arguing like that in front of your kid, you know? Yeah. Well, and, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things is like also remembering, like, especially like, for example, like trauma triggers, like me and my partner mm-hmm. come from very, very different upbringings. Like my husband, yeah. like, not that my husband didn't experience stressors as a kid, but his stressors were very different than mine. Um, mm-hmm. as far as trauma and, you know, it's funny when I explain certain things, he's like, I just don't understand. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. and, and, you know, he's gotten better over the years, like hearing that. And like, you know, several months ago, I had a very big trauma spiral and he was like, it's fine. It was one. And I was like, but I don't think you understand. Yeah. And he was willing to sit in that with me. Um, and I think that's sometimes like, you know, especially if you're struggling in a relationship with those trauma triggers or mental health, like being able to communicate and listen. Um, yeah. But also like I've had to take a lot of accountability for my own trauma triggers oh. in my own and how they've impacted our relationship in a negative way. I do too. And I'm, I, I always say like, I know the way that I'm showing up is an ideal and I wish I could show up differently and I'm working on it. And I know that the, the aftermath of this is mostly because I just don't have a handle on that trauma that, you know, there's just a couple of trauma triggers left that I just, for some reason, can't work through. And um, I'm working on, let me rephrase, I'm working on it and maybe one day they'll be different. But yeah, I think, I think for some people too, I'm even, I'm just kind of switching gears a tiny bit and thinking about people who are dating with trauma or dating with things that they might not feel comfortable saying on a first date of like, mm-hmm. it could be trauma, it could be sexuality or like sexual orientation stuff. It could be gender stuff. Like it could be really hard to like talk about like wants and needs in that way. And I'm thinking like some people are worried about scaring people off. Like if I do say certain things, like, will they run away? Will they think this is too much? You know, um, my heart goes out to them because I think it's, it is hard to say these things. Even when you know somebody like we're talking about like 10 years, I mean, this is hard oh, yeah. all around. Well- and and I think yeah. it's super important, especially if you're in more of the dating scheme, uh, like the dating area of all of this. Not everybody deserves to hear your story immediately. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I joke all the time about like trauma dumping in conversation because I like to go deep real fast. Right. But the reality is, is that if you are in a dating sphere and you're going on dates, that can also get really exhausting for you to constantly be rehashing that and then someone ghost you or say, hey, this isn't working out or or whatever. And it's not that you should be ashamed or keep a secret the things that you struggle with, but it's more importantly, I think, being mindful about how we share that with people because that is such an important piece of us. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, should we wait seven years down the road to even begin to maybe talk to our partner about our trauma? You know, if that if that's what you do, that's what you do. But usually we get to a place where we're like, okay, this feels like it's going somewhere. We should probably yeah. start to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, KB, I, I completely agree with you. And I was totally thinking the same thing. Like not everybody deserves those parts of you, especially like, and I'm thinking, I know we're talking about trauma, but like LGBTQIA, um, I'm thinking of my trans clients or friends, like, or, I mean, or just anyone that has um, a marginalized sexual orientation, like that, depending on where you are, that can be very dangerous for you. Um, so I definitely think exactly like you said, KBI, it's when you kind of start seeing something going somewhere, you know, is this a person I can trust with this information? And I think it's important to reflect that like, hey, there's something I want to share with you and I'm sharing this with you because, you know, I've really enjoyed our time together. Like, you know, we've built this trust and whatever it is. Um, because honestly, like, everybody comes with their own baggage. So somebody else might not know like exactly what you're going through. But if you share something about trauma, especially if it's going to impact the relationship. So yeah. like, I'm thinking of people that have gone through sexual trauma that may mm -hmm. impact a intimacy aspect of the relationship. Um, sexual orientation may or may not impact a relationship. I know when we were going through the questions, we got a number of questions from individuals who are asexual or aromantic. Mm -hmm. um, and that might have a significant impact. And I think, you know, there, it's a balance. Not everybody deserves your 100% full truth mm -hmm. day one. And when you, and you only, you can decide if yeah. this person is trustworthy or not. Mm -hmm. But I think, so, you know, yeah. starting the conversation by reflecting like, Hey, I, there's something I really want to share with you. And I want to share it with you because, you know, we've built this relationship and I hope it continues to grow and moving forward. I think this is something important for you to know. And going back to when we were talking at the beginning of the episode about just like dating and anxiety, if that person who you've just spent maybe a month or so getting to know has a negative reaction, that is not your fault. That tells you, okay, this is not the person for me. And I'm glad we only spent a month together. Yeah, and so just taking the information. Yeah. The seven years that KBI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Literally. <laughs> I, can, I can't even go seven minutes without going deep. So I, I couldn't imagine going seven years. That's why, again, I can't, I wouldn't be able to date at this point. Yeah. I think, I think for people who are concerned about safety, I think it's always important to like assess that. And and sometimes it's easy to assess that and the person might feel safe and you might say like, Hey, I'm ace or I'm a romantic or like whatever it is. And they might be like, okay, no big. And it might work out really well. Um, so I think it really just depends like Jess is saying on like assessing your safety and to Kristen's point, I mean, if that's one of your values is being able to be as authentic as you could possibly be, then you'll know right off the bat <laughs> if somebody's like not for you, you know? So like, well, this is too much. And you're like, I gotta go, you know, sorry. Yeah. So as we were talking about all this like communication and we were sharing a little bit about our personal experiences in long-term relationship, it made me thinking about like, the common stressors are things that like come up in relationships that people either fight about or, mm -hmm. or just kind of cause stress. So like when you all think of like stressors in romantic relationships, what are some of the things that come up for you all? The mental I, load. Mental load. Yeah. Ooh, good one. That's a good one. I think of people who have kids 
and I have a couple of clients who have kids and they'll say like, Hey, my partner doesn't pick up the slack or like, I'm always doing the child stuff, childcare stuff. Mm -hmm. I think finances, 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 finances is a big one. (laughs) The money. Whether you're like, and I think of this too, like whether you are in a partnership where you share finances or like, I've heard this from even my like teen clients, like, I realize that I pay for everything when we go out. Like oh, I'm thinking yeah. about like 16 year olds and you know, they have like a part-time job and things like that. And it's like, you know, yeah. Recognizing that. Yeah. I mean, communication. I know we just spent a mm-hmm. ton of time talking about that, but lack of communication. Um, when your partner I doesn't think- like Taylor Swift. <laughs> Number one on the list. Absolutely. Number one thing we fight about. I also think of just like spending time together mm-hmm. like or lack thereof because I mean, and I know, you know, and I don't want to share too much about my relationship because my husband is not on social media at all, but there have definitely been times we've had to sit down and been like, we are in the same routine and like, I love routine. I thrive off routine, but like, we're not connecting. We you need do. to do something <laughs> different. Oh yeah. I love routine. Like. <laughs> I could stay in the same routine probably for the rest of my life. Um, but I think that's a stressor too. Like, yeah. you know, when people – and they and, but we don't think of it as like a big stress or big argument. It's kind of just like, you know, partners coexisting. How much time do we want to spend with each other versus yeah. other friends versus hobbies? Like mm-hmm. do we want to do everything together or – and that goes back into communicating what you need in a relationship. Yeah. I think you guys bring up good points because I think another stressor that I think of too is like whether you're dating, I'm trying to think of ones that whether you're dating or in a long-term partnership, it's like, how much time do I spend with my friends versus you? Mm -hmm. You know, Um, how much time do I actually spend with you versus like, okay, if you're home, I'm going to go out with my friends. I'm going, bye. (laughs) You know, and like that feeling of like when you're in a long-term partnership, like, oh gosh, okay, I'm going out and they're kind of just staying home. Like, do I feel bad? Do I feel guilty? Or do I just go? And I know a lot of my clients with people pleasing tendencies or anxiety might struggle with that. Or, you know, if you're newly dating and you're like, Oh, I could see them all weekend, but then I kind of miss my friends. What do I do? It's like a struggle of like, you don't want to ditch your friends for someone that you're newly dating, but at the end of the day, you want to spend time with them. So it's a big, it's a big pull, I think too. I think I figured, I think I just figured out the number one stressor that even beats out Taylor Swift. Wait, Kind of I feel like you just had like a, like, I don't know if you glitched or if you came up with an epiphany. Like I, we I need to hear it. Choosing Where? what to have for dinner. Oh my gosh. Or eat in general. Yes. Where do you want to go? I to swear yeah. to God, this is the probably most common argument in my household is what are we, what are we buying for dinner for the week? What are we getting from the grocery store? So oh much so that fun fact, it was included in my wedding vows. I literally said in my wedding vows, you're the only person I would argue with every single night over what to have for dinner. And here you are. Oh my God. <laughs> Living it out. I, and I know that there are people who are listening who've been in, and they're like, yeah. Like, yeah. Have you, you're stand, You're like, I'm just trying to make a grocery list. Pick, give me yeah. something. Give yeah. me something. You can't have, I'll go to my husband. Give me something. It cannot be chicken Caesar salad and it cannot be tacos because we just had those last week. Give me something else. It is so funny. It's, I think about 
the the changes that we've made in our relationship about food and that's that and laundry we've divorced each other over like in, oh, in, within, the relationship, in the relationship in a really good way like i don't we do, do Ben's laundry. laundry fuck that we do our, yeah we do our own laundry and um i never did it to beginning begin with so it's really like because of me like that part's on me yeah and then the food thing is like i don't really cook so he's like okay i don't want to cook every night <laughs> so cook. Well, i'm the problem but like <laughs> What was that? Kate does not fit the gender stereotype role. Dave's kidding. I told him, I was like, you're the only man that I've dated, like, in a long-term partnership way. I just thought I'd have a wife. Like, I don't know. Like, I just thought I would be in a different place, you know? Um, but we, we we love each other and it, it works out. Yeah. But, but I think there are things that you can, like, talk to your partner about. But um, we would argue about that a lot. Like, that would be mm-hmm. top. Like, oh, my gosh. Like. You're not, and I'll clean the whole house. Like I'll do everything other than the laundry, and I'll be like, "The worst." (laughs) It is. So I'm sharing this because it just happened, and you all are talking about laundry. So like, Spence and I will do laundry together, and I will put away his laundry if I'm kind of doing it, but he will not put away mine because he knows like he will do it wrong. (laughs) He goes to get an undershirt. Smart man. Smart man. He goes, "Looks like Marie Kondo was in my drawers." Stop! <laughs> because of how I like fold things. Shut up! Wait, you probably fold shit so pristine, like <laughs> and like I line it up, but like that. But I mean, and I'm I'm glad KBI that you brought up like even dinner. And we're talking about laundry because I think a lot of people do jump to those big things like finances, yeah. kids, you know, um, mental load, even like physical load. Like we, I mean, you know, there's all those videos about like the invisible load of motherhood, but even just like in long-term relationship, like a partner doing way, way more than the other person, things like that. But then there are little common stressors too. Mm -hmm. What to eat, laundry, stealing the blanket, Uh, how one drives. Like, that's the (laughs) biggest one because i was an emt for so long i'm like you need two cars ahead of you at all times or you're gonna turn into a fucking sandwich you have to it does and it (laughs) when it's in self-drive it does what it should and it maintains a good distance but when my partner drives it's like right up against the person and i'm like you're gonna be wrong we're in an accident and he's like i know stop telling me i was like all right fine yeah so but i I have an invisible i have an invisible break and i know that's ironic coming from me you but. i i cannot reasonably we be all almost die when kbi yeah. you like, but did you but did, did you die. i had a near but death experience died. which but i think you is didn't die but you no. didn't die so okay. shut your damn mouth but but okay? the thing is there was many ways we could have died first you're driving second that there was like four miles of gas so we could have just like, oh my down. god every time so you're, like, but you did not no. So we could have like blown up. There no, was we you guys, have, but you didn't. We survived some trauma. Focus on the wow. <laughs> you guys are really focused on the negative here. Like I think you should focus on the positive. Okay. We need criterion A for PTSD. It's literally exposure to potential death. That or sounds like you're self-diagnosing yourself. Okay. I'm just saying. No, pro- no, no professional would diagnose <laughs> you with PTSD based off of my driving. Shut up. Maybe other specified trauma and related disorder, but still, it would be in the trauma but, category. It really would. But that, but that is one of my favorite things about relationships is like everyone's little quirks. Like me and mm-hmm. Ben have not shared a blanket since we moved in together in 2014. 
We shared a blanket for about for about two months, and then I was like, "This, I'm getting my own blanket. You have yours." And we have not shared a blanket since. But I think like it depends on the relationship. Like like That's I tell exactly my clients, what I, was say. I I literally just I I hope I echo this or echo your sentiments, but I feel like every relationship has a different culture embedded within mm-hmm. it. And like you have your own norms and values and communication and language quirks. and ways of communicating quirks, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I was exactly, cause I was thinking like, we just like joked about like laundry and how K10 doesn't do any of that, but I'm like, I don't want anybody listening to be like, Oh my gosh. Well, like I only do laundry in our household. Like if that's what works for you, that works oh, for you. Like, it works. you know, yeah, it works. with my husband and I, like there's certain things, like he does the yard work. Like I used to help yeah. before we had our daughter, but like he will do the yard work or like little things around the house, like changing the air filters and things like that. Like just naturally that has been mm-hmm. what he does. Like I will put up all of our daughter's clothes, mostly because he knows if he does it, I'll go back and switch. Yes. No, he Are you the problem? <laughs> I am the problem. But like, so it's absolutely okay if like people or like if you don't share blankets or like K10. I know you've even talked about this in probably our sleep episode. I don't really remember it because it's so chaotic. But I know like on other um, podcasts you've talked about sleep. Like if you and your partner don't share a bed because that's what mm-hmm. works okay. for you, that would that's be heaven. Fine. It's okay. No so I deal. think. Another takeaway that I I want to leave our group members with is like, yeah, we're talking about common stressors and things like that, but every relationship is different. And that goes back to the communication, like communicating what works for you all. And also like what worked for you in a previous relationship may not work Mm -hmm. for you in this relationship. And that is okay as well because it's a different person. So like if you're in, you know, a, a relationship where like one person tends to do all the housework, but then the other person, I don't know, carries a load somewhere else. That's absolutely fine if that works for you. If it's Mm -hmm. stressing you out, that's when the communication has to come in. Yeah. Totally. And I think even like, I'm thinking about um, the different types of relationships too, and how there's different stressors embedded within those. Like, so if you're in a monogamous relationship, there's going to be stressors, right? And then just say you were monogamous for a while and then you decide, hey, let's open, let's open up our relationship, right? Those, there's going to be new stressors naturally, right? So with, with every change in your relationship, there might be more stressors. They might be foreign, they might be new, but you could still work through them with communication in my opinion. Um, but I think that people might think like, okay, once we get over the stressor, then we're good. And then like it's smooth sailing. And I, I don't want to like be the bearer of bad news, but in my experience, like life changes and then you change and then things pop up, you know, naturally. It's okay. Yeah. I don't know why this just came to mind, but like when we're talking, hearing you talk and, you know, let's open the relationship and things like that. Obviously you have to be both on the same page about that and have Mm -hmm. rules and boundaries, but like jealousy is a big thing that I hear a lot with regard to like um, just stressors Mm -hmm. um, and that's things to work through. Um, Yeah. But no, there's there's yeah. a lot of things. Yeah, I, I think of jealousy too, and like every couple is so different with that. Like my partner and I, we 
technically kind of call our relationship like a non-traditional one. It just doesn't look like the typical relationship. Like we don't have kids. We've lived in a million different areas. Like we've just, we've done a lot of different things. I'm bisexual. There's like a lot embedded within that. And the rules of our relationship have changed over time. But when I think about jealousy, I think of like so many different things of like, you can be jealous of your partner's success or their job, or if they're like, just say they have friends of the opposite sex or something like that. Anything can maybe spur up those feelings of jealousy. And I think just depends on how you work through it. Every couple is different. And then how you feel about jealousy. Like, do I welcome this emotion? Most people don't. Okay. What do I do with it? You know, just depends on the couple. I'm just jealous that Ben lays down at night and he just shuts his brain off. He's literally symptoms at night. Oh, he him. just goes. I'm like, how do you fall asleep? He goes, I just sleep. I just fall asleep. I go, you don't think about things. No, I just chart it off. And I was like, what? You want to know a life hack for sleep? And I've never like disclosed this on the pod, so like you heard it here first. But I heard it from somebody else. I can't, I can't take credit for it. Don't worry about the Remy's, but if you're kind of laying there and you're struggling like to fall asleep and your partner's already asleep and they're just like snoring and you're like, oh my God, they're sleeping and I'm now I'm pissed or whatever. You do the whole sleep hygiene thing, walk around, come back. And then you're never going to know when you actually fall asleep. You're not going to have any conscious awareness of the fact that you're sleeping other than when you wake up the next day. So all you have to focus on is getting relaxed enough to the point where you might fall asleep. That's it. It's your only job. That's it. It's your only job. So maybe try that. And then, and then you could yell at him for falling asleep really early again the next day. It doesn't matter. You could still yell. Well, thanks for that tip, K10. Um, but you do know what does help with your sleep? Oh, research. As in it makes you go to sleep? Yeah, you're reading me. Me. Remember we were talking about things that are just different? Me, yes. You, it invigorates you. No, Jess is getting hype. Jess is going to be I'm getting hype. And me, I'm like, I've read the abstract and I'm good. (laughs) Solid. Solid. Oh, God. Well. We love you. We love you for it. (laughs) The question I'm going to pose to you all today is how do you think rejection sensitivity impacts romantic relationships? So I will give you all a working definition of rejection sensitivity. So the dispositional tendency to expect, easily perceive, and react intensely to rejection. It fucks with it. (laughs) (laughs) That was actually... did you read this article? That was I did. I read the conclusion. I read the abstract. I read the abstract. <laughs> that was the conclusion. In conclusion. <laughs> In conclusion, it fucks with it. Yeah. That's literally what an abstract does. It's like, here's the end. Don't care about the stats. Here's the discussion. Here's the conclusion. There we go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think I think that rejection sensitivity, it like reduces authentic communication potentially i don't know okay. for sure okay. that was a that nicer was way to put it. <laughs> no, yeah. that was that was the doctorate way of putting it i've social worked the shit out of that hey listen <laughs> social workers okay so this was a comprehensive literature reviewed review of 60 studies exploring whether rejection sensitivity relates to different facets of romantic relationships so sorry, KBI, this study is from 2023, not 2024. Um, Letting us down. I mean, there were some 2024 studies on romantic relationships, but not as interesting to me. So we're going to be talking about rejection sensitivity. So 
This had a lot of findings. I'm just going to highlight a few. Um, relationship status showed a small negative association with rejection sensitivity such that people not in a relationship tended to be more rejected, rejection sensitive. Relationship satisfaction had a high significant medium negative association with rejection sensitivity, meaning that more rejection sensitive individuals report lower levels of relationship satisfaction. Additionally, rejection sensitivity was negatively associated with relationship closeness and romantic expression. Intimate partner violence, perpetration, and victimization both had medium positive associations with rejection sensitivity. So meaning more rejection sensitive individuals were more likely to be both perpetrators of and victims of intimate partner violence. And then relationship concerns had a large positive association with rejection sensitivity. And the positive association between relationship concerns and rejection sensitivity increased as age increased. So the older you are, um, you had more relationship concerns if you were more rejection sensitive. Interesting. You're muted, KBI. That was going to be the case. Oh, ha- like the older you are? Yeah. May- I-, I guess it makes sense. I just, I was not expecting that. So when I first read that, I think kind of like what we talked about at the, or touched on at the very beginning with like the anxiety and, you know, if people are first dating, say in their twenties or thirties, yeah. maybe they have more concerns about relationships. Makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. So interesting. Know what else is interesting? The polls. I was going to say something else. What were you going to say? I can't say it on the podcast. Don't make me say it because Justin's going to have to edit it out. Like, I don't want to say it. (laughs) Okay. We won't say it. Okay. Um, So I did the polls this week and we got some lovely Valentine's backgrounds because I was in bed Um, when I did them. So the first question I asked is, what is your current relationship status? Options were single, dating slash it's complicated slash situationship, in a relationship, or who even knows? What do most of our group members are? Situationship. In a relationship. KBI wins this one. 49% of our group members are in a relationship. 44% single. 5% dating. It's complicated. And 2% says who even knows? Um, if in a relationship, how long have you been in it? Less than a year, one to five years, over five years, or not in a relationship? Too damn long. I don't know how to assess our group members. I'm just going to wing it and say like five. I don't know. Okay. So not in a relationship was number one with 42%. But of Mm -hmm. those in a relationship, the majority have been in a relationship over five years with 38%. Followed by one to five years at 13 and less than a year at eight. So we Uh, have some long-termers. Then I asked, what qualities do you look for in a romantic partner Um, in a question box? And we got a ton. So I will just read some of them. Kind, funny, intelligent, great listener, humble yet confident, a heart to serve others, humor, emotional support, understanding of life goals and plans. Um, having similar values, kind, adventurous, funny, 
empathy, humor, honesty, communication, respect, empathy, humor. Um, same humor as me. There was a lot about humor and funny. Honest, humble, kind, shares my beliefs, um, respect, integrity. Their words and actions line up. Mm -hmm. Similar mm -hmm. value. Yeah, a lot of values, a lot of good communication, a good heart. Honesty came up a bunch. Safety came up a bunch wow. as well. Trust, kindness. Yeah, sense of humor. So we like – it seems like overwhelmingly our group members like humorous, kind people that are honest and safe. Oh. And then I asked, how do you feel about it Valentine's checks Day? Checks out. I love it. I'm indifferent or neutral or I hate it. What do you all think? Indifferent. Yeah. Indifferent. Yep. 72% of our group members said indifferent. Followed by 16% who hate it and 12% who love it. So oh. I hope for the 12% of you that love it, you're getting to celebrate this week. Whether I hope they get $200 roses delivered. Or Galentine's. <laughs> yeah. Galentine's is like, not going to lie, like the best. <laughs> so fun. Galentine's gives me the ick. I don't know why. Real, it's like, why, 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 why? I need to know. <laughs> so funny your icks are like so unexplainable like 99% of the time so I like need to know but no it's it not doesn't. unexplainable the group member I was questions. gonna say you know what's not an ick ooh. Oh, ooh I like that one better mm, yeah well, it's not an ick that was an ick that was a okay. solid ick for anybody who's watching we so Kind of like their discussion, we're kind of doing group member questions a little bit differently as we use a lot of them to guide the discussion that we had earlier. We're actually picking probably three to four questions um, and we're going to address those kind of based off of what we talked about to kind of talk about things maybe we haven't talked about and we'll go from there. Woo. So Shay from Chicago asked, why do we think people are so afraid of relationships? Oh my God, that's such a good one. My first thought was because they're scary. <laughs> and I was like, where did that they are. They're, they're scary. It's like, scary. it's like you have to be seen and perceived, like wholeheartedly, yes. potentially by someone who is hopefully safe. I mean, it's like, it's a lot of pressure. And I think it's, there's a lot of mirrors of like you looking in the mirror and saying, do I look good? Physically, am I showing myself appropriately emotionally? Like how, how do I want to show up in this setting? I mean, there's just so much there. Of course, it's scary. My goodness. Well, and, and eventually you open yourself up to a point where you can get really hurt, mm -hmm. like emotionally mm -hmm. in a way. And, and again, like there comes a sense of dependency that comes with a relationship. Like you depend on each other for, you know, dual income, picking up the kid, like you depend on someone to be there through the hard times. And that is a really hard thing to, to do and to open yourself up to and to trust that that like at the end of the day, it comes down to trust, right? I trust that you're going to be here for that. Mm -hmm. And you in like, you know, 12 years with my husband, our lives are so intertwined in so many ways. And mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. takes trust. It does. absolutely. And, well, and you I know, that's why it is so scary. Yeah. Trauma could really, really impact things. And I, I think like the one thing that me and my partner struggle with and I'm still afraid of even in a relationship 11 years in is I'm like, Oh my God, like what if I'm not good enough? Or 
what if he leaves me over, I don't know, because I have trauma and I have triggers and like all this stuff. I always feel like I'm a little too much. I always felt, felt that way my whole life. But I think when your lives are so intertwined, then you feel like you have more to lose. And I, I know I talked about this last episode, but the sunken fallacy of like when you've been in the relationship for so long, it's kind of hard to leave, you know, like you love your partner, but you've sunk in so much to this relationship and it's so intertwined that it's, it's hard. And I think when you go through hard times, that can make you feel pretty afraid of like, what does the future look like? And, and stuff like that. Just, I cut you off. Go ahead. What were you saying? No, no, I, no, that was beautiful. Yeah. I think you just bad experience in past relationships. Like if you think of anything that makes us anxious, if you, I don't know, I don't know why this is the first thought that just came up, but like if you got food poisoning from a certain restaurant, you aren't going to want to go back to that restaurant because you're scared of getting food poisoning again. If you choke on a chicken nugget, you may not eat chicken nuggets again for a while because you're scared. And like not to compare relationships to food because those are the only examples coming to my mind. But like if you've had negative experience in past relationships, it makes sense that you'd be afraid to enter another one. Like, absolutely. or if you've had other types of trauma, other types of relational trauma, sexual trauma, things like that, it makes sense. Even if you haven't had those things and we brought up vulnerability, you have to be vulnerable to be in a relationship of any sort, but especially a romantic relationship. Um, if you see it going somewhere, you plan to spend your life with someone. Um, yeah. And all of those things are hard and scary. Okay, so this question is from Anonymous. In a relationship, is it healthy if one person does a lot for the other, but then asks the other person to do things they usually wouldn't want to do, but then they do them anyway because they feel like they owe them? I personally think that's where communication comes in because sometimes we do do things for our partners that we don't that we don't enjoy. But I think that that's where the communication is really, really important and the understanding of why I'm doing this. Yeah. And where does it fall in the, I truly don't want to do this scale. Is it like, I don't enjoy this. Like I don't enjoy hearing my husband talk about video games, but I'll let him talk about because it's not that big of a deal Mm -hmm. in in the grand scheme of things. Or is it, I'm compromising a value of mine to do this. And it goes against a value every time. Yeah. I think we're talking about values and I think we're talking about equi- equity or perceived equity with the relationships. And like, I think for some people, they might think like, oh my gosh, I'm doing all of this for them, you know? And I feel like I'm pulled by doing that. I sometimes think, okay, take a step back. Do you feel like it's performative? Do you feel like it's inauthentic? Like, where do you think it comes from? You know, like, can you just have a conversation and say like, hey, I just kind of feel like there's like a tit for tat situation going on or like, I kind of feel like there's something off. Um, I think it does come back to communication like KBI saying. That was really beautifully said. And I think like my partner and I have dealt with that in our relationship too sometimes. Like he's really good about doing like literally everything in our relationship, uh, like, like literally. <laughs> And he'll sometimes come to me and be like, Hey, like, I feel like I'm doing a lot, but I feel like I'm doing a lot of this for you, you know? And we've had to have really hard conversations about what it looks like to 
get back to baseline and then figure out like where we both are at. But it's, it's hard. I think it does require a lot of really hard communication and hard conversations potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my, the thing that's like sticking out to me is the last part anonymous that you do them anyway, cause you feel like you owe them. Cause I think it's less about the yeah. behavior and more about why you're doing it and like the feelings. So, you know, like if you're in a relationship with one partner does a lot for the other and that works for you all and there's no resentment. Cool. But then to your point, if you're doing things out of like, you feel like you owe them exactly like KBI and K10 said, that's where communication comes in. Because I think if you're doing a lot of things out of feeling like you owe someone or, you know, like tit for tat, exactly like K10 said, that's where resentment builds up and that's not healthy for a relationship. It's hard. I think with resentment too, it's like, it's, it's such a slow build. Sometimes you don't realize it's happening. Mm-hmm. So it's so important to have that communication and, and really think about like, am I verbalizing the things that I'm hoping? And if I can't, or I feel like I, you know, I feel uncomfortable doing that. What does that mean? You know, sometimes we have to think about how we communicate too before we actually communicate and figure out what the barriers are. Hi. Savannah from California. Savannah from, Cal- I was like, what does CA mean? My master's degree suddenly went out the window. Um, Savannah from California says, I'm 31 years old and I've never been in a relationship. It really contributes to this core belief I'm working on in therapy that I'm inherently broken and unlovable and unworthy. Any advice for how to continue to dismantle that belief when my ne- when with my never have being in a relationship just feels so ginormous at this, a ginormous piece of evidence confirming those things. Mm. My thought is that, yes, you can use that piece of evidence to guide how you might feel about yourself in relationships. And I think a lot of people might feel like a sense of like, okay, I've never been in a relationship. I have less, you know, I have, I got less reps in, you know, I haven't really had many relationships. So how am I supposed to know? And it must be me. I think people kind of always come down to the conclusion of it must be me. And some people come down to the conclusion of it's everybody else, right? So if you're in either ends of the, in either ends of those spectrum, it might feel really tough. But I think if that's the one belief, I would try to think of the evidence in the environment to balance that out just a tiny bit. Or is there evidence out there to suggest that you're not 100% broken and that you might be good in a relationship? I think that's kind of where to start. But I think my biggest suggestion would be to start in therapy because therapists just have a way of pulling these things out of us. Um, and it's hard to do on our own sometimes. But um, I will say that I had that belief too, when I first started dating a while ago, I just kind of felt like, gosh, who's going to want all this baggage, you know, like who's going to want this. And, um, I think other people think different things about us than we think about ourselves. So just something to think about. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would add, that was a beautiful answer. K10 is whenever I talk about core beliefs, I always remind my clients that core beliefs usually develop in really early childhood. And thus they're really more of a reflection of other people rather than us. And, you know, I, I totally get why, you know, never having been in a relationship validates that core belief for lack of a better term. Um, But I would really, if you haven't 
already. Well, you, you said you're working on it in therapy. Look at that core belief. Where did it come from? Who is that a reflection of? Because since core beliefs usually develop in early childhood, like no five-year-old inherently believes they're broken and unlovable. That's usually messages they receive from someone else. And those mm -hmm. messages they receive are usually a reflection of the adults in their life. So true. Wow. Okay. Let's see. Izzy from Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. What advice would you give to individuals? Huh? Oh, wait. I said, <laughs> what, I <laughs> what advice would you give individuals who feel loneliness and isolations around Valentine's Day? I don't know. <laughs> so even though I was like, I'm neutral on Valentine's Day, like the commercialization of Valentine's Day annoys the heck out of me. And yeah. like, that's where my mind went. Mm -hmm. um, but in a more serious answer, pull a K10, buy yourself some, yeah. you know, heart you can candy. Um, because, you know, Valentine's Day is about love. Like, okay, mm -hmm. love. But we've made it about romantic partners. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be about romantic partners. It could be about self-love. It could be about friendships. It could, I don't know, if you have a dog, you and your dog do something fun. That, that would be the best. Buy your dog a Valentine. Like, oh my God. I, it's one, validate what you're feeling. Um, mm -hmm. But if you're, I know like the specific question is I haven't um, pulled up here, talks about like, if, are you triggered around Valentine's Day? And I don't obviously know your, your certain circumstances, Izzy, but like, can you create it into a holiday that's for you? Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be about you and your partner or lack thereof, or if it reminds you of a past romantic partner that you don't want to think about, create new traditions. Like, you know, buy yourself flowers. You know, that whole Miley Cyrus song she won a Grammy for. Like, let's just say Um Yeah, and you know, find a way that you can, I guess, take ownership of the holiday that maybe not be related to the triggers or a romantic partner. I love that. I, I love that. And I, I wanted to also take this time and say, like, I think society celebrates partnerships, you know, and I think Valentine's Day is a way to celebrate partnerships. But I also want to create space for people who might not want to be partnered. And that is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think people who are not partnered um, or potentially don't have kids. You know, I, I know sometimes people might feel a certain way of like, gosh, like nobody's celebrating me. Valentine's Day is a perfect day to celebrate you, babe. You know, like if you're not partnered, don't have kids and you just kind of feel like I just want this for me, then it's okay. It could be your holiday for that too. Um, even though there's the commercialization of it. Okay. This is the last question. And I think it is the most important question oh, that to ever exist. Oh. And this one this one comes from Claire from Canada. How are KBI and Jess handling Taylor's announcement? I mean, speaking of relationships, right away. Speaking of relationships, this is about to be the best breakup album I have ever heard, and I am here for it. Wait, they broke Smaller up? No. No. God. Oh, no. We're talking she about Joe, baby. Like, mm, no. K10's so out he of it. 
She announced that the he, Grammy he did something, and we're about to album. find out. Wait, he did with something. track five. With track, track five being about oh, this is gonna be. Wait, is that the K- so London? Lost. Yeah. Yes, I'm that is going to be the complete opposite of London Boy, and ugh. I feel like you guys like what? I don't know how you, I can't gauge how you feel about it. How do you? We feel are it? excited. I can't. Okay. I this is going to be like like Joe needs to go into witness protection. Oh my god, poor god! Don't pour it. No, she wrote a song called "The Smallest Man." Is it the smallest man alive? We don't like him. What is the title? Yeah, I think. What's the title? It, yeah. Like, it's- ooh, you you done heard our girl Tay Tay? Like, mm. <laughs> yeah. I was prepared for Reputation, but I will I will be okay with a new album, and I will make K Ten listen to this entire album from start to finish. Well, you made me listen to a couple of songs, and I I thought they were bangers, so I was cool yeah. with it. We'll we're ma- we'll make a Swifty out of you, Liette. Oh yeah, I'm trying to pull up the song but yes we were very excited as you ever lived yeah daddy i can fix him yeah i can fix him no i really can Mm -hmm. yeah this is this is this is this is a new album right now this is song title april 19th yes oh these are song titles wait so he's physically small or like we don't know we're gonna find out on april 19th yeah but he he's like he's not tall at all and then you had then you got travis kelsey Kelsey. or yeah travis kelsey Kelsey. and in the words of meredith steel babies of steel she goes to be small girl with big boy (laughs) how cute (laughs) well and that will wrap up our taylor swift conversation (laughs) today but I oh felt like that was a great, I mean, even though this, I mean, it has to do with this podcast. We're talking about relationships, breakup album. Like it is so applicable. I need more information mm-hmm. to come up with a conclusion about how I personally feel, but I hold space for you guys completely. Thank you. Yeah, we share. appreciate it. I do share. Yeah. And thank you for all of you who tuned in and thank you so much for joining us today. We did have a little bit of a different, um, I was going to say formula, like we're doing science, the hell, um, a different <laughs> format. <laughs> like, we're mixing concoctions here, group member questions the in the discussion, groups. literally. Um, but um, we're so happy that you guys joined us and send this to somebody who might want to hear about relationships. Remember to like, share and subscribe and we'll see you next week in group therapy. Bye. Bye. Peace.